So we're in the last week of this current sermon series, Cancel Culture. And um, we put a lot of thought and work into choosing what we're going to talk about and, and what we're going to like base uh, message series around. And uh, some of the thinking that goes into it is like, one, um, how are we trying to form people? Um, how is what we're talking about helping to grow goodness in ourselves and in our world in a, like a, a Methodist type of language? We might say something like, we, we want to be talking about things in worship that are um, helping to, to grow us as disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Um, then there's also, on top of that, this idea of knowing our community of folks um, what are the things that they want, that you all want to hear or need to hear? But then also as leaders, we're convinced that there's sometimes things that like we think need to be said and that we think you all need to hear. This current series, Cancel Culture, was a lot of that, but also, I, to be honest, some of the thinking that went into it was I needed to be able to figure out some of this stuff for myself. Um, this, this idea of cancel culture, uh, we've all kind of experienced it in some capacity or another. Maybe you've participated in it. Maybe you have been a recipient of it. Uh, the way that we have defined cancel culture over the course of this series is the call for public accountability for people or things that have so far escaped uh, consequences by normal means. And th that sounds like a really good thing un until you start getting into the meat of it and trying to figure out, well, then what do we keep? What do we get rid of or cancel? And then what can actually be renewed? And, and that's pretty difficult work. And I felt like it would be good for me to do some of that work for myself. And then maybe it could be helpful to some of you. Hopefully it's been helpful to, to uh, some of you. Um, so what we've done over the last four weeks is we have taken some examples of different things that can maybe stand in for other big buckets and said, um, these are problematic things that we kind of have to think about uh, and figure out what to do with. So the first week we talked about uh, the church. The church has done and said and uh, uh, been responsible for some pretty problematic things. What do we do with the church? Do we cancel the church or is there something we can do with it? Um, the next week, we talked about problematic ideas and the people behind them. And we, that was Pride Sunday, so we specifically talked about uh, LGBTQ uh, exclusion. What do we do with problematic ideas and theology? Then last week, uh, we, we talked about, what did we talk about last week? Art. Problematic art uh, and artistic expression and the, the artists behind them. What, what do we do when uh, these things, these songs, these books, these movies that we've come to love, um, suddenly like they don't feel right anymore or the people behind them are revealed to be uh, not so great in, in the things that they do? Um, and during the course of that, we've kind of also laid out maybe here are some different frameworks that can be helpful for us to figure out, whether it's these specific things or anything else, what do we keep, what do we get rid of or cancel, and what can be renewed? So, so some of those helpful things that um, you may or may not find yourself using, um, there's a lot of them, so I wanted to make sure I wrote them down. Admitting the wrong that's been done or the harm that's been done. 
One step that we can take is to admit the harm that is done and then tangibly commit to doing better going forward. Maybe that can be a helpful thing when you're trying to figure out what to keep, what to get rid of, and what can be renewed. Uh, the next week, we talked about this Wesleyan quadrilateral, the idea of considering the tension and the conversation between what the Bible says and what tradition says and what our experience and what makes sense, what, what reason says. And then last week, we talked about like when, when making decisions about what to keep, what to get rid of, and, and what can be renewed— um, maybe we should consider our conscience. What are we okay with? Consider the impact that, uh, that this thing has on other people. Consider whether it helps us to love uh, others and love God well. And then also consider what alternatives might be. What might, be uh, what might we be missing out on if we continue to embrace this one thing? Um, so again, hopefully those have been helpful to you. They've been helpful to me. And yet today we land on another thing as we wrap up the series that is a little bit tricky as a church to discuss and is almost a little bit existential as a pastor. The topic for today is, should we cancel the Bible? Hmm. What do we do with this 2,000-year-old book that was written by a bunch of dudes half a world away in now dead languages um, that in some ways have some pretty problematic things to say. Um, Genocide is biblical. Slavery is biblical. Patriarchy is biblical. Segregation is biblical. LGBTQ exclusion is biblical. All of those things like are in the Bible. And guess what? A lot of those places where in, when they're in the Bible, God doesn't just allow it. God is the one who's pushing for those things. What on earth do we do with that? Should we cancel the Bible is the question for today. Well, ironically, in order to try to figure out what to do with it, uh, we're going to turn to the Bible. We are a church. I am a pastor. We're going to turn to the Bible. And rather than just going to any one of those individual passages that advocates for one of those things, we're going to turn to the words of Jesus and see what he had to say about dealing with the scriptures as a whole. And maybe just the fact that we're going to Jesus' words before any of those other things might be instructive for the rest of our conversation for today. So uh, we're going to be reading from a a passage known as uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is perhaps Jesus' best known, uh, most important teaching. And this comes from uh, his biography in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 17 through 20. So this is Jesus talking. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish these things, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of a letter will pass from the law until everything takes place. So anyone who breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys them and teaches others to do so will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness goes beyond that of the experts in the law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So all of you who were interested in canceling the Bible, this is a little bit of a um, stick in your spoke. 
However, this is coming from the Bible, the thing that you were going to cancel anyway, so maybe it wasn't too much of a problem. Um, but rather than just like taking this for just like what it is, I want to take a step back and, and say this is actually what this thing is and actually what Jesus and uh, his biographer Matthew are trying to do here. So the first thing to know is that this is not a transcript. Uh, Matthew was not following Jesus around and like recording what he was saying and then completely writing it down. The the Sermon on the Mount appears in these couple chapters at the beginning of Matthew's biography about the life of Jesus. But really, it's, it's probably a compilation of all of these things, these most important things that Jesus said over the time that he was teaching and then kind of smushed together in a way that makes sense within the the context of the telling of his life story. So the Sermon on the Mount was probably not this one story where he, or this one situation where he got up and he said all of these things. It's like all of his most important things succinctly put into one package. If you're going to listen to one of the most important things that Jesus says, it should probably be this sermon. So that's number one, that it's not a transcript. Number two, when it comes to this passage specifically, What Jesus is not saying is, well, this is what the Bible says. You ought to believe it. That settles it. In fact, both he and his biographer, Matthew, are like setting up the exact opposite of that. He says, don't abolish the law. We need to keep it all. But really, I have come to fulfill the law. So what he he then goes on to say after this, you might be familiar with some of this. Uh, He says, uh, you have heard it said, blank, But I say to you this. Does that sound familiar? So immediately after he says, don't abolish the law, we need to keep every letter of it, he then sets us up to say, well, this is what you've been told. This is what has been passed down to you, but actually I want you to think about it differently than what you have been told. Jesus is engaging in this really difficult, really important work of engaging with what the scriptures had said, what had been passed down and said, maybe that wasn't the most helpful thing. Maybe this was problematic. Maybe the people who wielded it as a weapon were themselves problematic as well. So let's wrestle with that instead of just taking it verbatim. And this is where I think that there is another uh, framework maybe by which we can try to figure out what do we keep, what do we get rid of or cancel, and what do we renew? What can be renewed. As we look at what Jesus does here, he kind of does three different things. Um, First of all, he assumes the best intentions. I don't know about you, but when I think about the this cancel culture thing, one of the things that I'm really concerned about is stuff that I may have said like 10 years ago and that um, I meant well 10 years ago and now it's like really bad. And I don't agree with it. And I don't know what the, I can't think of anything specifically, but I know I'm a very different person than I was 10 years ago. And I know that the world is different than it was 10 years ago. Um, Jesus is not doing blaming here. He does not go, you know that Moses guy? Uh, what a tool he was. He, he doesn't throw his ancestors under the bus and say, you know that the Old Testament scriptures, weren't they foolish saying all this stuff? No, he, he doesn't say any of that. Um, there's this scholar named Peter Enns who talks about uh, the Bible being uh, God's children telling the story. 
for better or worse. And sometimes they screw up and they say problematic things and like that comes with the territory. So you might start with assuming best intentions. But immediately Jesus follows it up with preparing for the worst outcome. So assume best intentions, but intent doesn't matter if the impact is really bad. And here, again, Jesus could have like easily done different things. He could have um, said, I'm sorry that you were offended by that. Have you heard that one before? Um, he could have said, this is something that I was taught. Um, he could have said, well, this was written down hundreds of years ago. What did the original uh, author mean to communicate to the original audience? Don't be offended by it because that wasn't the intent. What Jesus is actually doing here is saying, you know what, here... This may have been the intent, but if the impact is bad, if the fruit of this tree is bad, then we have to do something with it. Consider the, uh, the intent, consider the impact, and then the last thing that I would say that I think Jesus is starting to get at here is be open to new words or old words saying something new. For about 2,000 years, uh, followers of Jesus have talked about the word of God primarily in two different ways. The first thing is that they have said, uh, we have said, I'll be inclusive here, uh, followers of Jesus have said the word of God is the scriptures. The word of God is, it's, it's God-breathed, it's this double-edged sword, it's this, this thing that is somehow unique and like uh, divinely inspired in some way. But also, the word of God is Jesus. And, and Jesus is unique, divine, um, this unique representative that says, when you think of God, you should think of Jesus, and, and vice versa. And guess what? Some of the, sometimes those two things come into contact and come into conflict. And when they come into conflict... You look to Jesus who says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. So these things like genocide and slavery and, um, well, well, let me read this for you from uh, author Jordan Harrell. She puts it this way, genocide is biblical. Loving your enemy, enemy is biblical but only one is Christ-like. Slavery is biblical. Chain-breaking is biblical, but only one is Christ-like. Patriarchy is biblical. Countercultural elevation of women is biblical, but only one is Christ-like. Segregation is biblical. Unity is biblical, but only one is Christ-like. And I'll add this one. LGBTQIA exclusion is biblical. And expanding our circle of inclusion is biblical. But only one is Christ-like. Christ transforms, not the Bible. Be wary of those who know one but not the other. Assume best intentions. Prepare for the worst impact. Be willing to find a new understanding of old words. So, I will ask the question that we started with. Do we cancel the Bible?
We got a, we got a head shake no from the back. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Lily. Um, over the past couple weeks, uh, there have been people who have either said it uh, explicitly or implied it that uh, because we welcome uh, LGBTQ folks as, as full participants in this community, that um, I am uh, not Bible-believing. So take that for what it means. But no, I don't think we should cancel the Bible. And I think that one of the reasons we, we don't is because we have these frameworks and we can work it through these frameworks that we've talked about over the last four weeks too. We could admit the harm that has been done by the Bible and the people that have wielded it. And we can commit to doing better. Uh, okay, I got to pull them out again. We can uh, engage the Wesleyan quadrilateral. We can say, you know what, the Bible is still uniquely important and we can hold that in conversation in tension with uh, tradition and with our experience and with reason, what makes sense in the world. We can continue to engage with the Bible in a way that we're using our conscience, where we're considering the impact that it has on people who are other than us, in, in ways that we say, does this help us to love God and love others better? In ways that say, what am I missing that I might consider that I could be bringing in? Here at the Grove, what that all amounts to is that we talk about a reparative reading of the Bible. If you've heard this before, that's good. If you haven't heard it before, I hope that it's helpful. Um, a reparative reading simply says, you know what? These words were written by a bunch of dudes 2,000 years ago, half a world away in dead languages. They were not written for us, and the things that they said uh, might also not be written for us, but that doesn't mean that they can't mean something for us today. Th that doesn't mean the thing that they intended to say uh, 2,000 years ago. It doesn't mean that we can't get something new out of it that meets us in our moment of need when we need it right now in a unique and profound way. I do want to acknowledge that um, whether it's the Bible or any of these other things, the amount of harm that has been done, um, I believe that these things can be renewed uh, but on like a personal level, it's possible that the harm that has been done in your life, the lives of people that you know, is like feels uh, unrepairable. And I want to acknowledge that. Um, and I want to say that if there's a place where it can be repaired, I hope that it's it's this place, and that you're willing to engage in that work, just like we are willing to engage in it. So um, let's keep. What's worth keeping? Let's be willing to take out the garbage. And let's figure out what can be recycled. And even better, what can be upcycled. We're really good at that. Let it be so.